You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates. That all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you. To see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages. Creator. Author. Victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people. And it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained. Overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And welcome to the program. Today is the 18th day of May, 2021. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, and the chat room is available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. If you do call into the program and you want us to open your mic, just push one, and we'll see that on the studio. Today we're going to be continuing on with, I think it's chapter 15 of Holy Priesthood, volume 4. Is that right, Kim? Do you have it pulled up? I'm working on pulling it up right now. 
Yeah, she has to unmute her mic, and then she has to get back into the text. Now, I did post the text at um, facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. That is my Facebook profile, and you can go read the full text to what we're going to be reading tonight. We're doing it in two parts because this is actually a very long chapter. And um, we're going to be reading about the history of polygamy from 1829 to 1880. And then tomorrow we'll be on 1881 to, the, uh, you know, tell current times, I guess. Um, so there's a lot to read. Uh, we'll get into it in just one moment. I did forget to do the radio show last night. Um, over the last two days, I've been working on the farm, and uh, our goats have been pushing underneath the fence. So uh, we had to fix the fence in the field where the goats are by reinforcing it with four strands of barbed wire over about 200 feet, maybe 300 feet. I don't know. What do you think that is? That's about the size of a football field, Kim, you think? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so maybe 300 feet. Anyway, it took a while. Like, and I always think, this isn't going to be, this is going to take me that long. And then Mm -hmm. I end up working until it's like the sun is going down or has gone down. And I'm out there with a flashlight and my son or daughter is holding the flashlight. And I'm still working. And um, luckily, Kim and the kids went out and helped me for a couple of hours, which helped me a lot uh, to get that done. And guess what? Only one goat escaped today, and it was only because (laughs) that goat is a baby, and that baby found a flipping hole in the fence between the goat field and the orchard. And it's just this little piece that's missing, and he's just big enough to get through it, so I was out there trying to fix the chicken coop today, and I look over, and that little brat has crawled through the, and as soon as he saw me see him, he ran back, went through the hole that I didn't know was there, so that was fun, anyway, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I just, I was just, I've been working for two days to get a bunch of stuff done, and we did a lot this, this weekend, or well, over the last two days. They did a lot today, too. So I guess it's three days in all. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Kim's going to be doing the reading tonight because she is way better at it than me. And at the end of each page, I will comment if I have anything to say. And then at the end of the reading, anybody else who wants to comment, We'll open the uh, the phone lines and you can comment. There is one, or no, there's a, there's 50 lines available. They cut me back to 50 lines. And uh, I was actually looking at the statistics. The last episode that we did actually had like three or 400 people that listened in. So that was nice. So, uh, cool. all right. Well, I will uh, dedicate the program. Are you up in uh, right. our bedroom, Kim? No, I'm Oh, not. you're in the car? Yeah, I'm in the car. You're in the car. Are you going to, yeah. like, yell at the kids and tell them, uh, <laughs> do well, your chores? Is, so, yeah, so the thing is, we have kids, 
They like to come in and out, in and out. And now that it's lighter, longer, they usually want to be outside. So if I'm outside, we also live where there is a huge breeze all the time. So you can't hear what I'm saying if I'm standing out. I have my oldest staring at me through the window right now because <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? I can smell you. So <laughs> He's like a puppy dog. Um, yeah. Or like the so chicken. Like, yeah. Whenever so we're like doing anything... Whenever we're doing anything on the farm, we have free-range chickens, mostly because the greenhouse slash chicken coop that we had them in actually was destroyed by horses and wind. So now they're free-range, which is fine because we've got 10 acres. <laughs> but whenever we're yeah. doing anything on the farm, they are always following us around, looking to see what we're doing next. They yeah. are ridiculous. So, did you know if that I we only outside, have one? Sorry. We have two if I roosters. Outside, all of them follow me outside. All of them. Yeah. The kids everywhere I go. So, so they're like, we what have, are you doing, Mom? We have, what happened? We have two. We've raised all of these chickens from uh, from eggs, except for what? One baby is left. It's, anyway, yeah. um, so I found another dead rooster today. Add. So we have one ornery rooster mm-hmm. that follows me around, and I catch him and pet him every once in a while, and he protests, but I think he likes it. And then we have one rooster who is the grand polygamous rooster over the rest of the hens, <laughs> and they all follow him around, except for the, the hens who are brooding which means they're laying mm-hmm. on eggs, so they can't be doing all of that. They, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm about to go into Sunnyside Depth, so I will dedicate the program real quick, and then I will mute myself, and you can get started with the reading. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. O oh God, the Eternal Father, we come before Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, our Messiah. We thank Thee, Father, for the opportunity to come to Thee today and to dedicate this time unto Thee to study out this topic of hot debate that we call polygamy or plural celestial marriage. We thank Thee for all of our many blessings, and we ask Thee, Father, to help us to understand Thy truth and put away our false and foolish traditions. We thank thee, Father, for this time that we have to dedicate unto thee and to the study of this topic and do so in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're reading the Mormon Plural Marriage, 1829 to 1880, Part 1 of Chapter 15 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 4. The program, oh, I'm reading all off of your thing. So, you know that the program has started. The program number, the call-in number is 917-889-8827. And you can press one if you want to unmute your phone and um, if you want to talk. The chat room is at a link if you go on to his um, Facebook page. Now, Continuing on with the reading, the restoration of plural marriage. 
In the foregoing chapters of this book, we studied the history and attitudes of many different people and nations towards the principle of plural marriage. Kings and paupers, prophets and priests, rich and poor, have recognized the benefit or the ben, beneficent attributes of polygamy. From the Congo to the most industrialized nations and from every color, religion, and nationality have come favorable statements regarding this marriage lifestyle. Now we come to the restoration of plural marriage as part of the gospel revealed to the prophet Joseph Smith. We will read what the Lord himself... Sorry, hold on one second. I have my... Kid. Okay, sorry. We will read what the Lord himself had said, had to say about plural marriage in this dispensation and what the response of the saints has been towards these revelations. The Lord has emphasized the important connection between plural marriage and the laws of the Holy Priesthood. Apparently, the reasons why plural marriage was introduced into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are still a mystery to most Mormons. However, Elder Mark E. Peterson gave one good reason. Why was plural marriage practiced by the Latter-day Saints? Only about 4% of them ever entered into this form of matrimony. But why did even they... When the Apostle Peter spoke, as, as is recorded in Acts 3, he referred to the second coming of the Savior and indicated that this great event will not take place until the time of the restoration of all things spoken by the Lord through his prophets from the beginning of the world. All things were to be restored. Would this include plural marriage? It did. And hence, section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants was given. In verses 40 and 45 of that section, as he speaks of plural marriage to Joseph Smith, the Lord refers to it as part of the restoration of all things. The prophet Joseph did not wish to enter polygamy. It was farthest from his mind, but he was the restorer, and through him all things must be restored. Hence, under the pers persuasion of the Lord, he accepted it. This is why there was polygamy among the Mormons. That's from Way of the Mat master peterson page 43 and hold on just one second sorry um, um i can say a couple things okay good say a couple go things. ahead mute yourself kim okay yeah. or don't you well whatever anyway okay so marky peterson was an apostle of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints back in the 60s and 70s and 80s i think um so that's where that, that comes from. Um, I have two things to say about this, the restoration of all things. For those of you who think that the Torah was done away with, it wouldn't even matter because uh, polygamy was part of the culture and the gospel before Moses ever gave the Torah. So let's just put away that stupid argument. I'm sorry it's stupid, but I'm going to say I like it is. Okay, another thing. Um, okay, so uh, for those of you who are against polygamy and you cite the cases of, uh, of uh, abusive relationships within families of polygamous marriages and you cite that as a reason to not allow plural celestial marriage, screw you. Okay, you don't do that to monogamy. There are plenty of bad relationships within monogamy. 
but you don't use that to say there shouldn't be marriage between a man and a woman. Just because there are bad actors doesn't mean that the whole system is bad. And furthermore, those of you who fought against polygamy in the past and in the present, you make it a culture where they have to take it underground. So those women and children who are abused by those horrible men who do those things, they, these women and children, don't, they're, they're scared to come forward because they don't want to lose their family. Because because uh, women have been put in jail for living plural marriage. So you make it worse by actually making it illegal, which I don't even know why you would make it illegal, uh, seeing as how it is a religious custom, part of the gospel of the restoration. And I know some of you think that Jacob chapter 5 or whatever it is, I can't remember right now, speaks out against plural marriage. No, it speaks out against the multiplying of wives. But it also says that plural marriage is uh, to raise up seed among the saints. Because God wants all of his children to be placed in families where they are living the gospel. So using that as, uh, to, go to seemingly contradict former revelation, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Joseph Smith taught... And I know I'm breaking up in this little area here, so Kim, tell me if I'm breaking up. But Joseph Smith, before he died, he said, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you set them down as imposters. Going against plural marriage is part of going against the Torah, which is part of the Old Testament, and going against that, uh, it means if you take that quote to heart, you're an imposter, and you're on the wrong side of history when you do stuff like that. Okay, and then there's the whole, like, you know, this is the restoration of the fullness of times and the restoration of all things, but you want to throw the Torah out, but it's even, you know, before the Torah, there was plural marriage. So I don't know what Marky Peterson understood or knew about it, but I've gotten personal revelation about why plural marriage is so important. And I've talked about that in the past. Part of getting your exaltation is being filled a man to a woman, a woman to a man by the Holy Spirit of promise. I know people want to make that into something else. There's a whole lot more to the Holy Spirit of promise than one little uh, I don't know, one little clip or whatever. But part of this is that. Filling a man to a woman and a woman to a man. Part of the revelation that God gave me, he showed me a vision of the preexistence. And I saw a lot in that. A lot of stuff was downloaded, if you will. And part of that, I saw that there were many more elect females than there were males. And that in order for them to get the blessing of exaltation that they deserve, they have to be sealed to a man in this life. If there are more of the elect women, not talking about population ratios or any of that, but if there are more elect women than men, then plural marriage is something that actually is part of the gospel. 
and there is a very important reason for it. And for those of you who throw out Section 132, well, I throw part of it out too, because Section 132 actually talks about David and Solomon not sinning except for in the case of Uriah. Well, Brigham Young put that in there, not understanding in the Torah that there are laws against what they did. It's called multiplying wise. Hold, hold on. I can make that turn. I've been driving for 25 years. If you can't make that turn, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, talk to you later. Oh, my God. I just got criticized for not waiting for a guy to make a turn. <laughs> I just giving some context. I know this is getting off track. I started driving a motorhome cross country when I was 14 years old. Started driving my grandpa's pickup truck with him by my side when I was 10. I started driving my grandpa's my grandpa's pickup truck. I he's my dad basically. Uh, by myself when I was 12. I started driving a 1945 deuce and a half farm truck in the potato fields of Idaho when I was 16. When I was 18, I got my Class A CDL. After my mission in 1998, I became an over-the-road truck driver, and I've been driving a semi-truck for 25 years. So <laughs> when people are like, you should wait to make that turn so that you have plenty of room to make it. I used to drive a semi-truck in residential San Francisco delivering kitchen cabinets. I'm pretty sure I can drive this truck out here in the boonies, out in the countryside. But okay, getting back to Section 132. I know that Brigham Young added parts of Section 132 because not only does it contradict the Torah, it also contradicts the Book of Mormon because Jacob received a thus saith the Lord revelation where he was told that, that what David and Solomon did was wrong and it was multiplying wise. Doing what they did was breaking Torah. Okay, so that being said, what they did was wrong doesn't mean polygamy, plural celestial marriage is the same thing as multiplying wise. And I'm really too, because Brigham Young. Now you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if you can hear me. More. Um, I don't know if you yeah, can okay, hear I'm, me, but you're breaking up. Okay. I'm on Wash Plant Hill. I'm almost to the top. There are plenty yeah. of other places in the Doctrine and Covenants where Brigham Young, he put. He put multiple revelations together. He put his own words in there. Some of the stuff that you guys out there are like, oh, Brigham, or Joseph Smith is this guy because in this revelation, it, it says this right after this other revelation. That is the splicing of revelations together, and they ought not to have been done like that because a lot of people out there are going to reject Anybody that comes to set the house of God in order because it's Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith's the one that's supposed to do it. Why are you honking the horn in the driveway? Oh, because, um, so the little kids are out here with Arius by themselves. 
and the older two are not listening to my text. Well, I don't know. Do you have Emmett's phone, or does he have his phone? I have his phone. Okay. So I didn't text him because that's what I thought. Anyway, so I texted Liddy. She didn't answer the phone, and I can't really hang up and call them. <clears throat> so I was trying to get uh, – I muted myself so that I could – have the littles go inside, but they're not listening because they want to play on the trampoline. They want to be outside, and I was trying to herd them in, you know, so that they could go in because it is getting darker. I don't like them to be outside when it's getting darker because I don't know if there's going to be, like, you know, mountain lions or anything or even the neighbor's dogs. You are so paranoid. I know. I know. If there were mountain lions or coyotes, we would have dead goats and chickens, Kim. Okay, but I would love to not have dead goats and chickens, but definitely not hurt kids. Yeah, we need to get some 22s to take care of coyotes that might come around, but I really doubt that we're going to have any problem with that. Okay, anyway, getting back to what I was talking about earlier, Section 132 contradicts Jacob. Jacob in the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith said if you contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to set them down as imposters, right? Well, Section 132 wasn't released until 1852 or whenever it was, after Joseph Smith was dead. He wasn't talking about the Doctrine and Covenants that Brigham Young came up with. There are other revelations that Joseph received that are not in the Doctrine and Covenants. But but the Book of Mormon came way before the Doctrine and Covenants, right? And if in Jacob uh-huh. it says that David and Solomon sinned, which actually goes along with the prohibitions against polygamy in the Torah, I accept the Torah and I accept the Book of Mormon. I accept the Doctrine and Covenants. What I don't accept is the fact that section 132 came after Joseph was dead, so he wasn't talking about that section. And I don't accept, um, I do accept it to a point, because I know there's truth in it. But how many times can have we read Revelation where we can tell, because we have the spirit of discernment, that part of it is from God, but then other people add things to it? Yeah, well, that's it like make sense. Thing. Yeah, we know that some of it is true, but we also know that some of it is, is wrong, is really wrong. Because, because I don't know why, but I even have to check this on myself. When I receive a revelation, and I have received plenty of thus saith the Lord revelation, I have to go in after I receive it and say, okay, I have to go line by line and make sure everything is correct according to what God has spoken to me and that I didn't add something because my mind, I don't even know. It happens. You have to be very careful when you're receiving a revelation. But, but then there's other people, and I'm not going to name them, who have received revelations, written ones, that God has told them to write, and then the things that they are told don't happen within the time frame that the prophet thinks is supposed to happen. So, um, Isaiah. Very few of the prophecies that he spoke about happened in his lifetime. But he didn't go changing his revelations to try to make them fit the time that he lived. 
Kim, I can hear myself in the background. Oh, sorry. Should I just put my headset anyway, back on? Uh huh. Okay. But so these other prophets that I'm not going to name, they get revelations that are very specific. And then that they don't happen in 10 years or 20 years, and then they start rewriting them to make them be the ones that are the great mighty prophets that they talked about coming. A specific individual who I will not name because he is a fallen prophet and he is cursed, he received a whole bunch of revelations about specific things about the last prophet. And then after a period of a number of years, he decided that that last prophet was him. So he started changing those revelations. Brigham Young did the same kind of thing. Not for the same purpose, but he added things to revelations that were not part of God's truth. And so, like I said, I accept parts of 132. I don't accept other parts of 132. And you have to be, or you have to have the spirit of discernment, and you actually have to work to find out what truth is. You can't just read something and throw it all out because one part's bad. And you can't just read something and because you feel the spirit on one part, accept the whole thing. You have to do it line upon line. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. It is sunset here, and I still have my sunglasses on, so I'm going to have to fix my problem. And anyway, I'll mute myself. And are you back in the car? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm. I have the kids getting the other kids and um, getting them all ready for school tomorrow and stuff. Anyways, um, so polygamy had to be restored because men had previously apostatized from obeying God's command to live it. Interestingly, Elder Marky Peterson, who understood the genuine necessity of its restoration, probably became the foremost church opponent of plural marriage. History has definitely repeated itself. The early Christians abandoned many true principles and practices and adopted the ways of the Gentile Romans. The Mormons abandoned many eternal principles and adopted the ways of the Gentile Americans. This transition has come by slow, subtle means until those who once were its greatest defenders became its greatest opponents. A brief chronology of the LDS Church's evolution in their attitude towards plural marriage in 1829 to present is outlined in this chapter. This more recent history is not much different from the conditions that have been repeated many times previously in the history of the world and its cultures and religions. 1829. <clears throat> Even before the organization of the church on April 6, 1830, the prophet Joseph Smith received a revelation supporting the principle of plural marriage. Charles Walker recorded it in his journal. Uh, This is from Charles Walker Journal, July 26, 1872. Quote, at night went to the 14th Ward meeting. Brigham spoke said that while Joseph and Oliver were translating the Book of Mormon, they had a revelation that the order of the patriarchal marriage um, and the sealing was right. Oliver said unto Joseph, Brother Joseph, why don't we go into the order of polygamy and practice it as the ancients did? We know it is true, then why delay? Joseph's reply was, I know that we know it is true and from God, but the time has not yet come. 
This did not seem to suit Oliver, who expressed the determination to go into the order of plural marriage anyhow, although he was ignorant of the order and pattern and the results. Joseph said, Oliver, if you go into this thing, it is not with my faith or consent. Disregarding the counsel of Joseph, Oliver Cowdery took to wife Miss Annie Lyman, cousin to GOA Smith. From that time, he went into darkness and lost the spirit. Annie Lyman is still alive, a witness to these things. Quote, that is from Charles Walker Journal, July 26, 1872. And 1831. Within two years, July 1831, Church History Library, quote, Verily I say unto you that the wisdom of man in his fallen state knoweth not the purposes and the privileges of my holy priesthood. But ye shall know when ye receive a fullness by reason of the anointing, for it is my will that in time ye should take unto you wives of the Lamanites and Nephites, that their posterity may become white, delightsome, and just, for even now their females are more virtuous than the Gentiles. Phelps added later, about three years after this was given, I asked Brother Joseph privately how we that were mentioned in the Revelation could take wives from the natives as we were all married men. He replied instantly in the same manner that Abraham took Hagar and Keturah and Jacob took Rachel, Bilhah, and Zilpah by revelation. The saints of the Lord are always directed by revelation. That's end quote from the letter to President Brigham Young from W.W. Phelps, August 12, 1861, Church History Library. Ezra Booth, a Protestant minister who joined the LDS Church and later apostatized, published an account of this 1831 revelation on December 8, 1831, in Ohio Star. He wrote that, it has been made known by revelation that it would be pleasing to the Lord if the elders formed a matrimonial alliance with the natives. Elder James S. Brown, who was a Mormon missionary among the Shoshone, the Shoshone Indians in 1853, said that he was told by church leaders to marry among them if we would be permitted to, sorry, glitching phone. I am now in the wrong part. I'm about to come into Emmerich County. I don't know where I was. <laughs> you were talking about polygamy. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought so, too. I know. Uh, you are talking about the Indian wives. And... Yes. So Elder James S. Brown, who was a Mormon missionary among the Shoshone, Indian Shoshone Indians in 1853 said that he was told by church leaders among them. Yeah, Shoshone, I think that's right. If we would be yes, permitted to is. take young daughters of the chief and leading men. That's from Life of a Pioneer, Brown, page 320. So this part of this is interesting to me because growing up in the uh, Brighamite mainstream LDS church, I was always told the reason that they practiced polygamy was because 
that lots of men were dying on the trek out west, and so there wasn't enough men for the women. So that's why they had to practice it. And then after they made it out west, they didn't have to practice it anymore, so then they did not have plural marriage anymore because of that. That's what I was told. So all of this history and religion is very interesting um, to hear these other stories, but it does make me kind of skeptical of everything else that I hear about it because of what I was originally told. And I think that's one of the problems with uh, lying and changing history, being deceitful, white life, all of that. The reason why that is so terrible is because after you are lied to, then you are skeptical of everything. So you're less believing as a child as you once were. So when I was a child, I just believed that they were telling me the truth. And why wouldn't they tell me the truth? Because I was told that you're supposed to tell the truth. It's bad to lie. So they wouldn't lie because that was bad. And then, you know, you find out that they were lying all along. <laughs> and, and then you're like, wait a minute, what? do not lie to our children about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and all of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Because I, we understand that. Yeah, I figured there wasn't just going to be like this gray in-between area. I feel like, no, we're just going to be black and white, and that's it. We're just going to, you know, be blunt about it. This is how it is. And just tell the whole truth. And then when you don't know, you're also going to tell them, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe we should look it up. Maybe we should research it. Maybe we should pray to God. My kids know that. Um, like if I haven't taught them anything else their whole entire life, if I haven't taught them anything, then I have, then I haven't, uh, you know, what they should be, uh, need to know. But I, the one thing that I have actually taught my kids is that God does answer prayers. He has always answered my prayers and I tell them, you know, just like everybody else that. He will answer your prayers. He answers my prayers. He will answer anybody's because I'm nobody. I am just me, you know, and he's no respecter of person. So, so he will answer there. So my children know that too. And so um, they pray um, to help find things randomly, to remember things. Uh, they pray for, you know, everything as they should. Um the reason that we even live at this house right now is because our seven-year-old daughter prayed to have a bigger house. That is really... No, she prayed really to live in a mansion. It's true. <laughs> that's what she prayed for. <laughs> and we moved she wanted into to a live mansion. in a mansion. That's what she thinks. She, she thinks it's a mansion. She thinks. But you know, everybody says... Oh, you're breaking up. Lots of people. They know my semi-truck in the area. They know that I park my semi-truck in front of my house. They know who drives it because I can't hide my red beard. Everybody can see it. In fact, that's what they call me at work, red beard. Hey, red beard, what are you doing? Anyway, everybody knows where you live. And when I ask them, where do you live? Or I ask them, do you know where I live? Yeah, you live in that big house. <laughs> yeah. It is a big house. It, it's a very thankful that we live there. And neither one of us, well, I was perfectly fine living in a townhouse. <laughs> I didn't want to live in a big old farmhouse, but I'm grateful for it, even though it's a lot of work. 
But, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll mute myself. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so um, that's what we've taught our kids to pray about it. Um, we don't condone lying, white lying, or any of the such to your kids. Yes, conversations get hard, especially as they get older. Telling the truth is the best way to go because then even after all the years that they hate you as a teenager <laughs> because you're always not letting them do everything they want to do and you're not giving them everything that they want, um, they will realize that, you know what, you know, maybe they won't give me everything I want and maybe they're not going to just let me do anything I want to do. But mom okay, and dad so didn't technically, lie. So. I, technically, we have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old who might as well be a teenager. Yeah. Um, but I do joke with my kids. So today, my 7-year-old ran into the bedroom when she got home from school and was so happy that it is almost her birthday. And I yeah. said, your birthday, you were born on a Monday. Your birthday only happens when the 20th day of May happens on a Monday. So let's look at the calendar. She's all, Dad. And I'm all, so your birthday was on a Monday on May 20th, 2013. And the next time that happened was a couple of years later. So you're one. You'll be two May 20th, 2024, because your birthday will be on a Monday in that year. So, yeah, I, I do joke with my kids, but they know I'm joking with them. Yeah which is different than flat-out lying. And I always tell them, they, they say, so Lydia was all like, how old is one family? And oh, we're breaking up. And I was like, uh, I'm almost by the airport. So anyway, um, and through the birthdays for all of these animals that we have, not the birthdays, but the birth years, and then she was like, well, how old is mom? And I said, well, she was born, and I told her the birthday. And then she said, well, how old are you? And I said, well, I was born in June of 1490. Because <laughs> I always like to tease them that I'm like 530 years old. I will be 531 this year. Anyway, okay. so, yeah, we, so we don't lie to our kids, but yeah. we do joke around with them. But they know we're joking, so. Very true. Okay, continuing on. Oliver Cowdery was probably the first person in this dispensation to enter into plural marriage. Sometime shortly after 1832, he was perhaps too eager to enter it, while Joseph was too reluctant, as he postponed it until his life was threatened. Mary Leitner said, an angel came to him, and the last time he came with a drawn sword in his hand and told Joseph, if he did not go into that principle, he would slay him. Life and Testimony of Mary Leitner, page 58. Now, is I there, have a problem with that account. I am thinking the same thing. So is there an account by Joseph about that? No, there is not. 
and there's no contemporary stories about that during his lifetime. Everything that we yeah. have comes from journals long after he was dead. It's the same thing with Joseph Smith or Brigham Young looking like Joseph Smith and talking like Joseph Smith, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Nobody wrote about it at the time that it happened. They wrote about it 20, yeah. 30 years later, and then everybody's like, it's proof. It's not proof. It is not proof. Now, okay, I didn't know all of that, but I was reading about this, like, right now, and um, I just feel like, I know people are like, feelings don't mean everything. I feel like it's not um, consistent with how it actually went. And um, yeah. if well, you think so about many, it, angels so don't come things. down to kill people. God's angels don't come down to kill people. And God is not, he doesn't force people to do he what he wants to do. people either. Yes. So that, I feel like, is a very happen. inaccurate account. Just if you think about it even logically, and I am a logical person. I mean, I've had my fair share of spiritual experiences, and that's how I made it to where I am today. But um, the, the account itself, just reading this, if you think logically about it, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't speak of God. God is not that person. Um, he, you know, even with... A uh, guy who got ate by a whale, I'm drawing a blank, Jonah. Jonah? So even with Jonah, yeah, Jonah didn't get killed. God was like, mm, no, we're going to put you in timeout. So I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think this is accurate. Like, God's not like, go down and kill him if he doesn't marry another woman. Like, that's not even logical. The, now, the way that that sounds is ridiculous. Now, I don't accept that story. I don't know if it happened or not. I don't care one way or the other because I don't care. The principle is yeah. in the Torah and in other places of, in Scripture. This yeah. story, yes, and I know that right. it was made up after the fact. Yeah. So the other okay, thing I about didn't know it was, but yes, polygamy, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Joseph's polygamy, I don't think he wanted to live polygamy. He doesn't have any other kids but, by anybody but his wife, Emma. I know. That's because the whole reason for this sealing ordinance is for the elect women to be sealed to an elect man so they can receive the blessings that they are worthy of receiving, which they, had, uh, uh, for, they were foreordained in the preexistence to receive these blessings. Joseph understood that. So he, he, I believe he did the blessings. He sealed these women to himself. He even sealed women who were married to Gentile men to himself because they were not elect men. But those marriages weren't annulled. They still lived and they were still married in this lifetime to their husbands. But they were sealed to Joseph Smith because it is important that the elect females are sealed to an elect male so that they can receive their exaltation. That is why the whole thing is even allowed. That's why God allows it or even tells people to do it. So anyway, but um, what Brigham Young did, um, you know, following after, kind of after Joseph Smith, but what Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball and others did was they multiplied wives, which is against the Torah, the instructions in the Old Testament on how to live polygamy. 
That's against the Torah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to be in my tongue. I am going up the hill towards the power plant. Okay. Uh, so you know how it breaks up. Hopefully I'll be able to yeah, so get out of Yeah, so hopefully I can this. get half of this red when you can't talk. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's why I'm going to be I up know. at the power plant so I can't talk. This is a... This is for games. Just kidding. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Okay. Legally, such plural marriages were next to impossible. Even though under the laws of the Constitution, a civil marriage could be created by common law contract, a judge, or by a religious ceremony. However, plural marriage in the early 1830s was almost unknown in America. In 1835, <clears throat> The law in Ohio did not recognize Mormon leaders as legal ministers. However, in 1835, Joseph said, Our elders have been wronged and persecuted for marrying without a license. The Lord God of Israel has given me authority to unite the people in the holy bonds of matrimony. And from this time forth, I shall use that privilege and marry whomsoever I see fit. That is also from Lydia Knight's History, page 31, which is also another one. One of those kind of iffy, not really sure if it happened, happened a long, a lot time, or a long time after the fact. Excuse me, now I have the hiccups. Um, so, yeah, I would be leery of any second, third, fourth hand account that is not right from the actual source, and also that came about years and years and years later. This occurred on the 14th of November, 1835, when Lydia Goldthwaite Bailey was going to be married to Newell Knight. Joseph gave an account of that Mormon wedding ceremony. I then remarked that marriage was an institution of heaven, instituted in the Garden of Eden, that it was necessary it should be solemnized by the authority of the everlasting priesthood. The ceremony was original with me. That comes from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 320. Later on, January 17, 1836, Joseph married three other One of them as follows. Form of marriage certificate. I hereby certify that the agreeable, that agreeable to the rules and regulations of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On matrimony, Mr. William F. Cahoon and Miss Nancy M. Gibbs, both of this place were joined in marriage on Sabbath the 17th instant. Joseph Smith, Jr., presiding elder of said church, Kirtland, Ohio, January 19th, 1836. That's from the Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 377. This was the beginning of matrimonial conflict between political marriages and priesthood marriages. It was very difficult for Joseph Smith to reveal all of the doctrines of the kingdom to the saints. Even Jesus could not teach openly the deeper doctrines and told his disciples, It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, the people, it is not given. End quote. That's from Matthew chapter 13, volume 11. I mean, sorry, chapter 13, verse 11. In explaining why there was a difference in who should hear them and who should not, he said, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. That's from Matthew chapter 13, volume 15. I mean, chapter 13, uh, verse 15. Sorry, I've been so many, into so many volumes lately. I haven't really been saying a lot of scriptures. 
In other words, they preferred to maintain their worldly customs and traditions. See Joseph Smith's full explanation of this text in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 96 through 98. The prophet expressed a similar view when he referred to the Latter-day Saints. This is from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 184 through 185. But there has been a great difficulty in getting anything into the heads of this generation. It has been like splitting hemlock knots with a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a beetle. Even the saints are slow to understand. I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of saints prepared to receive the things of God. But we frequently see some of them, after suffering all they have for the work of God, will fly to pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their traditions. They cannot stand the fire at all. That, again, is from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 184 through 185. And I suggest that you get to know that really well because it pertains to all of the saints today. Continuing on, 1843. Because of such deeply entrenched traditions, members of the church were not prepared to accept plural marriage, as they are not today. Joseph Lee Robinson recorded one of Joseph Smith's first attempts to teach the doctrine publicly. It says, again, we heard the prophet say upon the stand in Nauvoo in a grove near the temple when he was speaking to a large assemblage of saints. With many other things, he said, if I should reveal the things that God has revealed to me, there are some on the stand that would cut my throat or take my heart's blood. We wondered if it was possible that that saying could be true. And again, while speaking to the people in that place, he supposed the case. He said, suppose we send one of our elders to Turkey or India or to a people where it was lawful to have several wives, where they practice polygamy. And he should say to them, your laws are not good. You should put away your plural wives. What would they do to him? They would kick him out of their realm said he. Um, and there's a bunch of asterisks after that one quote, though it does not give me um, the exact uh, place that it's from. However, that saying is very common. It's also quoted differently than what it says in here, because let me say that again. It says, if I should reveal the things that God has revealed to me, there are some on the stand who would cut my throat or take my heart's blood. That's also been referred to people believe that Joseph is hinting that he is one mighty and strong or that he is the Holy Ghost or it is taken to a million different contexts and they believe that it means a hundred different things. So I guess in this case, um, they're saying that it is about him talking about plural marriage um, and plural wives in other countries, which is practiced today. And uh, the church has to, um, uh, when they're going over, they're not allowed to baptize the people who are currently practicing plural marriage. So it's better in the Mormon or LDS culture um, for people to get saved or to be baptized into the church, into this culture. They believe it is better for a man to choose one wife that he is currently with, put all of his other, his other wives out and divorce them, Sorry. which is actually against scripture. 
and then divorce them and just throw them out into the street with all of his kids so that they can fend for themselves or have the government fend for them. And that's what they believe. Now, I don't know. They can get rid of their wives and they can get saved because they have the baptismal ordinances and they are the only ones that are allowed to do it because they're the one true and living church. So bad when they come. It's, Anyway, the other thing, too, that thing you're you were talking about. You're breaking up a little bit, FYI. Oh, yeah. Joseph Smith, uh, is... some, some, people, some people talk about Joseph Smith uh, being the Holy Ghost and how, because he said that. Yeah. Then... Oh, you're breaking up. They can't hear you. But some people believe that that meant that he was trying to tell people that he was, in fact, the Holy Ghost. And so people speculate and speculate so much on that one thing because it's changed, taken out of context, and it's just um, men trying to reason with their own minds. Joseph Smith would have to say that he was contradicting the Doctrine and Covenants to say that because God gave him a revelation that at that time the Holy Ghost didn't have a body. So if the Holy Ghost didn't have a body at that time, then Joseph Smith couldn't be the Holy Ghost. Now, Joseph Smith did teach too that the Holy Ghost was waiting to take himself a body. Yeah. He was waiting to take, and he would come, but he was waiting. Yep. Okay, continuing on, since you keep breaking up, uh, we'll get into a better area, and then you can comment when I finish the page, because nobody can hear you. (laughs) Um, And when the elder shall come round again, this brother shall accost him, thus saying, Elder, is there not a land of Zion, a place where the saints should gather to? The elder should not lie to him. He shall say, Yes, brother, there is a land of Zion where saints of God are required to gather to. Then said he to the elder, I have five wives, and I love one equally as well as I do the other. And now what are the laws of in that land? Can I bring my five wives there and enjoy them there as well as I can here, said the prophet? Yes, the laws in Zion are such that you can bring your wives and enjoy them here as well as there. The elder shall say to that brother, the prophet went on preaching to the gospel of the kingdom as if he had not said anything strange or awful. But this to me was the first intimation that I have ever received that polygamy would ever be practiced or lawful with this people. The prophet went to his dinner, and as it might be expected, several of the first women of the church collected at the prophet's house with his wife said thus to the prophet Joseph, Oh, Mr. Smith, you have done it now. It will never do. Why is it? Why it? is all but blasphemy you must take back what you have said today it is outrageous it would ruin us as a people the prophet knew it would not have not avail anything to contend with the sisters said he i will have to take that saying back and leave it as though it there had been nothing said for he was aware it was a very large pill for them or the people to swallow but as the lord had revealed the principle of plural marriage to him and had informed him that the time had fully come that the doctrine should be taught and practiced by his people, the Latter-day Saints, as it was a very important item pertaining to the fullness of the gospel. There he deemed it wisdom to throw out something for the people to reflect upon, 
that they might begin to digest that very important doctrine, which belongs to the dispensation of the fullness of times. There's a lot of flaws in all of that that was just written, and I can only tell you that through discernment that I know that that is not exactly what had happened. This is somebody else's account, and um, it's the way that they're saying it that um, makes it incorrect. So um, it's somebody trying to... um, Say that Joseph said something that actually wasn't really said. It's like when somebody white lies and it's partially the truth and then it's not really all the truth or the context is stated differently than what it was intended. It's like what newspaper articles do and it's also what um, news shows do um, and investigators. Um, what they do is they take what was said and they can take it in its entirety but then put words with it that make it sound contrary to what it was intended or what somebody was like actually saying. And that um, paragraph that I just read, I just wanted people to know that um, it is not um, fully truthful or correct. Um, anyways, I don't know if I explained that very well, but that's uh, the truth. Um Anyways, continuing on, we attended the meeting in the afternoon. The prophet arose to address the meeting. He said, brethren and sisters, I take back what we said this morning and leave it as though there had been nothing said. It amused me somewhat, but it didn't take with me, for I was satisfied that he meant what he said in the morning. That's from Joseph Lee Robinson's journal, pages 12, 13, and 14. And that man is not truthful if that's what he really wrote. Anyways, in 1855, the Apostle George A. Smith recalled the reaction of the people to these same remarks by Joseph Smith. This is from Journal of Discourse, Volume 2, page 217. It produced such a tremendous excitement that as soon as he had got his dinner, oh, um, so I guess they didn't like what I just said or somebody doesn't like what I just said because it just kicked me out of the whole thing. So now I have to go back in and find where I was at. Sorry. Um, Okay. It produced such a tremendous excitement. Oh, I'm sorry. In 1885, in 1855, Apostle George A. Smith recalled the reaction of the people to these same remarks by Joseph Smith from Journal of the Discourse, Volume 2, page 217. It produced such a tremendous excitement that as soon as he had got his dinner half eaten, he had to go back to the stand and unpreach all that he had preached and left the people to guess at the matter. And that is interesting and I would like to go back into we have a set of the journal discourses and I'd like to go back into journal discourse volume 2 page 217 and actually read that volume or that um, section um, from 1855 Apostle George A. Smith recalling the reaction of the people to the same remarks by Joseph Smith so it's saying it's a reaction from him so I'd like to see the validity of that statement Anyway, continuing on, nearly 15 years after Joseph's first first revelation on plural marriage, he received another one, 15 years later. On July 12, 1843, C, D, and C, Section 132, it was a revelation that would shock the world. 
If his name was not already known for good and evil, it soon would be. Most ministers, lawyers, women, and congressmen began publicly speaking or privately whispering about his revelation. From around the general general store pickle barrel to the halls of Congress, Joe Smith was a common conversation piece. At one time, he was confined to jails and dungeons, and the next he was a candidate for the President of the United States, trying to keep a sane and sensible appearance in the midst of rumors, lies, and pink a pink sheet. Newspaper articles was a most difficult task for him. The announcement of polygamy would just make it worse. The revelation of 1843 did not come about because Joseph wanted to live plural marriage, but rather because he wanted to understand how the Lord could justify Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and Solomon for their many wives. CD&C 132 verse 1. Um, And that is actually true and accurate. So this this one actually is I can't even explain it to you how come I know that okay but that is actually accurate and this is actually the real reason uh continuing on the Lord answered him and said this is from DNC section 132 verses 2 through 4 so um interestingly enough there's not a whole lot I ever hear in or read out of DNC it's one of my favorite scriptures to read ever because um when you have discernment, when you have a gift of discernment, a lot of things that, well, this is how it works for me anyway, so a lot of things that I read, it's irritating to me. It's confusing and irritating, and it causes, you know, just this, it makes me upset because I don't like people who lie. I don't like deceivers. It irritates It makes me, me sad. Yeah, it just gets, makes you irritated to read these things. Like, why well, are you trying to deceive other people? I don't, I don't like it. So when I read it, it kind of just stresses me out. So I love to read D&C because there is nothing in it that is um, difficult or hard. It's not trickery. It's not anything like that. And so I like to read D&C because it doesn't have those feelings with it. It's just easier for somebody with discernment to read and take take it as it is. So um, I do have problems with what people say about it sometimes because of their interpretation, but you know that's a different story. <laughs> okay, I'm. Um, did you have something to say? Yeah. I, okay, so what I was saying about what when I was breaking up. Um, yeah. Joseph Smith taught that, that God the witness was a person. That there were three individuals who were the presidency of this earth. That was God the Creator, the Father, God the Redeemer, the Son, and God the Witness who is the Holy Ghost, and that God the witness would come and take himself a body and do the same or similar things that Jesus did. Okay, when Joseph Smith was alive, God told Joseph Smith that the Holy Ghost was this spirit being at that time that was true. So when people are like, Joseph Smith is the Holy Ghost, no, he is not. Or, or if he was trying to say that he was, then I would have to throw him out as an imposter or a fallen prophet because God already said something and now he's going to contradict the doctrine and covenants. No. Joseph Smith was the forerunner of God the witness. He is not God the witness. Anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay, sorry, I muted myself because I felt like I was going to sneeze and I didn't want to sneeze in between you talking. (laughs) Um, So I had to go and mute myself and now go back in. Okay, 
Behold, and lo, I am the Lord thy God, and will answer thee as touching this matter. Therefore, prepare thy heart to receive and obey the instructions which I am about to give unto you. For all those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same. For behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. And if ye abide not that covenant, then ye are damned. See how it doesn't say he's going to kill him? I'm just saying. For no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. End quote. DNC section 132 verses 2 through 4. So this is saying, contrary to what that other um, woman was saying earlier that we were talking about, because he says, you will be damned. It doesn't say I'm going to kill you or you will die if you do not live this everlasting covenant. It also doesn't say you need to abruptly live it right now. It just says that you need to prepare your heart to receive and obey the instructions, which I'm about to give unto you. For all of those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same. Right? And and so a marriage, if they receive revelation that they should live it, then they should live it. And that is what yeah, that means. It's not for everybody. It's just for, uh, it doesn't have to be for everybody. Because you can choose to be damned in your eternal state that you're in right now. You can do that. That is up to you. God isn't saying, I'm going to kill you if you don't live plural marriage. He's saying, you know, it's up to you. If you want to be damned where you're at right now, then that's totally up to you. Then, you know, that's where you will be. It's just like if you are a child and you choose not to listen or obey, you know, your parents' law, they're not going, your parents aren't going to kill you, but you're not going to learn anymore. You're not going to grow. You're not going to um, be any more than what you are in that state. So you're damning yourself into that eternal state that you already are at because you will not follow the direction that you are given. But once you stop turning in circles and you follow that direction, then you are no longer damned into that state. You have other things revealed unto you, and you can live higher laws. You understand things at a different level. You know, you're growing and you're progressing. So um, you can contradict me if you want with that one. I don't know why, but I just felt the need to explain it that way. So I'm pretty good, I think, with words sometimes. (laughs) Anyways, continuing on with the reading. The reasons for plural marriage now consisted of more than just having another family. If the first wife was barren, having a large posterity or saving women from a lonely life or prostitution, the Lord announced that it was to be his law. He explained that Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. And why did she do it? Because this was the law. That's from DNC 132.34. Within this single section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord mentions plural marriage as his law 32 times and explains clearly that it is the law of the holy priesthood. See verses 28, 45 through 46, 58, and 61. Just go read the whole chapter and see it in your own eyes, see it with your own context, and then pray about it. Within this 1843 revelation, there are many forceful and positive statements in favor of living parole marriage, i.e., in verse 3, all those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same, verse 4, and if ye abide not that covenant, then ye are damned, verse 4 again, no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory, verse 5, all who will have a blessing at my hands shall abide the law which was appointed for that blessing. 
verse 6. He that receiveth the fullness thereof must and shall abide the law. Verse 12. I give unto you this commandment. That's all it says, verse 12. <laughs> now, verse 12, again, it says, No man shall come unto the Father but by me or by my word, which is my law. Now, verse 17, These angels did not abide my law, therefore they cannot be enlarged but remain separately and singly without exaltation in their saved condition to all eternity. If I'm not mistaken, when I was reading that before, it actually was not just talking about plural marriage, but that was talking about um, even monogamy. Might be mistaken. Verse 17, I feel like that was a monogamy well, one, but okay, well. <laughs> am, I, am I down where you can understand me? I can understand you, yes. <laughs> okay. So those people who marry outside of being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, when their life ends, the end of their marriage happens. Now, when Peter was told, when Peter was told upon this rock, I will build my church, which he's talking about the rock of revelation in, in the New Testament, he tells him, Jesus tells Peter, that he will give him the keys to seal and bind on earth and in heaven and to loose Mm -hmm. uh, on earth and heaven. Those are the sealing keys that Peter was given. People went to Peter to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise so that their marriages would be eternal and not just carnal or earthly or whatever. People who refuse to live Uh, to go to the Lord's anointed to receive the marriage covenant by the Holy Spirit of promise through the Holy Priesthood, they Mm -hmm. will be damned because their marriages will end when they die. In order for them to receive the higher blessings, a man must be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise to a woman and vice versa. Now, if somebody uh, refuses plural marriage and that there are an excess of women who do not receive a sealing by the Holy Spirit of promise because the elect men are fewer than the elect females, then the choices of those elect men will be, uh, will be punished because they chose not to uh, heed the warnings that God gave about Uh, the Holy Spirit of promise, and plural celestial marriage. Just because a government or a man tells you not to live it, if God is telling you to live it, you must forsake your everything and just be obedient to what God is telling you to do. Even if that means you Mm -hmm. lose your membership in the church. Even if that means that you have to go to prison because in the country you live, they're intolerant of God's law. You, you, can have your, yep. you can't have your cake and eat it too. This is very important. If people don't, if women do not receive a sealing by the Holy Spirit of promise to a man, they will be damned. That's the way it is. And I don't know what to In tell anybody. In verse 18 it says, they cannot therefore inherit my glory. Yep. You cannot receive your exaltation unless you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. 
But if you are married to a woman or a woman is married to a man and God tells you to live plural celestial marriage with an individual that he has sent to you and you refuse that, you are damning that female who by no fault of her own is going to not be able to receive the higher blessings because you were disobedient to God's commandment. Whatever his commandment is, is the only commandment that matters. But when people go and they they multiply wives into themselves without any revelation at all, that is wrong. People should not be doing that. That is against God's instruction in the Old Testament. And those things are still applicable. Jesus said, I do not come to do away with one part of the law till all things are fulfilled. All things being fulfilled. He's not done yet. It isn't fulfilled. It's still part of the law. Like we're about to go to Shavuot this weekend. That is part of God's law. The Greeks called it Pentecost. It's in the Torah that we must follow, the, or that we must observe these things. You know, so uh, I think it's 50 days after um, after the the Pesach or Passover meal and the the time of uh, unleavened bread, which is also in the Torah. You know, then you do Shavuot. That's all part of God's law still. It's part of the rest restoration of all things. You know, so like there's a lot that because of the culture couldn't be restored because the people just wouldn't accept it. But um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell people, but it's all part of the restoration. So, uh, Yeah, let me continue on because mm, it's bedtime, and I have to finish reading. <laughs> if, I know there's a lot to say on this thing, though, and we even, you split it up already, right? And there's so much, like, I don't even usually go off script this much, but there's a lot to say about it. Um, and I feel like, you know, we make do with the time that we have to do this, but um, I think I would probably be doing a disservice to you, but also to everybody else if I wasn't warning them with my gift, what I know. What I know. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just yeah. warning people so with what I'm reading how, of the inaccuracy. I don't know how far you are in the reading tonight, but we can Not split very it up far. into four parts. I'm sorry, but I just feel like there's a lot to say, and I don't really want to cut you off, but we're not even at page 199 yet. I need to I need to finish this little list right here. In fact, let me finish this up really quick, just the list of all these scriptures that it's talking about. And I think if we do split it up, we could let the listeners know, you know, go in, read these chapters. Read section 132 of Doctrine and Covenants. If you don't have scriptures, go and look it up online because you obviously have some form of uh, service where you can, you know, get Internet or, you know, listen in in some way or another. Go and listen to that yourself. Pray about it. Look at the things that they're telling you. Go to LDS. And maybe. LDS.org, I think, is still a viable website. Or just look up Mormon Church and you can find their official website. All these scriptures are there. For people yes. that want to read them for themselves. And this is available online at OgdenCrowd.com. You go into the yes. list and you read um, read Ogden's books and then Holy Priesthood Volume 4. Or you can go on, yep. my, web, or on my Facebook. It's all there. It's available for anybody who has the Internet. 
Yeah, I do like how they're telling you individual verse and what where they're getting this information from. I do not agree with how they're doing it, even if they are correct or not. I feel like all of it should be read in its entirety because I feel like what happens is a lot of people, they take one little part of each verse that applies to what they want to say, and then they make up their own scripture to make it apply to well, what they want to say. Nate Carlisle at the Salt Lake Tribune, back when I had the Kingdom of God or Nothing radio show with the website, he took one thing out of context, didn't read the whole thing. Well, he read it, but he wanted to take something out of context as part of his uh, narrative that he was trying to build for his story, which was a lie. I had to shut down that podcast and that website because of all the death threats that I was getting because of his lie. So we know yeah, how these ridiculous. people work. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like taking things out of context and making it say what they want it to. Um, I, however, I will continue reading the fullness of the text as, this, uh, as it was compiled. Um, so let me read the rest of these verses. This is all from DNC 132. Verse 19, if a, mar- if a man marry a wife by my word, which is my law, it shall be said unto them, ye shall come forth. And shall inherit thrones. So there is dot, dot, dot in between that twice, which means it is just excerpts from that verse. Um, Kingdoms, principalities, and powers, dominions, all heights and depths, dot, 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 in time and through all eternity. Uh, Verse 19, which glory shall be a fullness and a continuation of the seeds forever and ever. Verse 20, then shall they be gods, dot, 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 because all things are subject to them. Verse 21, except ye abide my law, ye cannot attain to this glory. This is eternal, oh, sorry, verse 24, this is eternal life to know the only wise and true God and Jesus Christ, dot, 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 receive ye therefore my law. Verse 27, he that abideth not this law can in no wise enter into my glory, but shall be damned. Verse 31, this, which means they skipped a bunch of verses, (laughs) Um, This promise is yours also, because ye are of Abraham, and the promise was made unto Abraham, and by this law is the continuation of the works of my father, dot, 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 (laughs) dot, actually there's four on that one, go ye, or this is verse 32, go ye therefore and do the works of Abraham, enter ye into my law, and ye shall be saved, verse 46, whatsoever you seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and verse 64, Uh, which is a whole bunch of missing verses, I will magnify my name upon all those who receive and abide in my law. These are only a few of the reasons for plural marriage, and for the next several years, hundreds of sermons would present additional reasons. Okay, so this is almost exactly at page 200. It says, personal revelations on plural marriage were also received by individuals such as Abraham Hunsaker picture of Hunksaker, which is not here in your excerpt. But, okay, so page 200. Um, Can we um, stop here and continue on 200 tomorrow? If that's okay with you? Yeah, Because I'm working on 930. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, and you know what? We don't have anybody in the the guest call-ins. Let me just check one thing real quick. It doesn't look like there's anybody in the chat room. 
Hold yeah, on. you just want to make sure. Yeah, before we close the program out for tonight. But I am also getting back. I'm almost a horseshoe and dropping into the void. <laughs> right, which doesn't help you any because then we won't hear you and then I'll be talking about more things. And seriously, I'm not usually that talkative about things, but for some reason tonight was that night. So I feel like there's a lot more that's going to need to be said. And I don't want to be ornery and just be like, okay, I need to go to sleep, so I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, well, everybody, my wife gets up at 5.30 in the morning when I get home. So, you know, we're just trying to fit this into our schedule and do the best we can. Because Kim wasn't commanded to do this. I was, though, and she's helping me with this stuff so that we can do what God has commanded us to do. So, all right, yeah, nobody's in the chat room. (laughs) Yep. All right, so uh, just go ahead and mute yourself. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the program. We'll be back on tomorrow with another part of this uh, Chapter 15. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye. Thank you.